Welcome, glad to have you with us on Gary on Guns. Coming up about uh, an hour and a half from now, the Second Amendment Foundation is going to join us. And when I say us, I mean Scott Van Kirk. He is on board this morning. He is a uh, Second Amendment supporter, firearms trainer, former law enforcement, and all-around well, fair guy, anyway. Morning, uh, Gary. Hey, Scott. And uh, <laughs> you are not alone, although it may seem like it when you have a conversation with the gentleman <laughs> next to you. Larry Wayland is in from Modern Arms. At the Brown Station location. Good morning, Gary. Good morning. Listen, uh, this when you watch these movies and TV shows, when they're dealing with guns, they just never seem to be honest. Uh, you'll see guys stand behind car doors and bullets don't penetrate. And we all know that's, you know, that's just not the case. Uh, we see people using fully automatic weapons on TV and in movies all the time. That just rarely happens. And they seem to be sending a message. Interestingly, they use the guns for action and to get people to watch the programs. But at the same time, they try to tell you, oh, guns are a bad thing. So John Lott has done a video on this, and I thought it was worth playing because it really highlights the hypocrisy of Hollywood. Hollywood hates guns. Well, they like them in shoot 'em up movies. But as soon as it comes to a good civilian using a gun for self-defense, Hollywood turns anti-gun. She shot herself. Why the gun on? Hollywood constantly portrays people who hate guns. I'm not a huge fan of weapons. Now do you see why I don't like guns? You don't like guns either. I'm not a big fan of guns. I don't like it. Why do I leave the FBI? Guns, mainly. It's almost as if they're trying to condition people to hate guns. In Hollywood, even Navy SEALs warn against owning guns. I need a gun to protect the kids when you're not around. You'd be dangerous to yourself and to the kids. The wise law enforcement experts constantly urge people not to use them. But in my experience, the problem with carrying a gun is that eventually it will go off. But Hollywood gets this backwards. In real life, police strongly support civilians owning guns and carrying them for self-defense. A recent survey by the National Association of Chiefs of Police polled thousands of sheriffs and chiefs of police. 76% believe that qualified, law-abiding armed citizens help law enforcement reduce violent criminal activity. Detroit's police chief urges people to carry guns. So good Americans who are responsible with concealed weapons can make a difference. He became chief and encouraged civilians to carry guns six years ago. Detroit's murder rate fell since then. I'm excited about our trend downward. Nationwide, rank-and-file cops show even stronger support for private gun ownership than do police chiefs. More than 90% supported civilians carrying guns. No surprise, Hollywood's cops are wrong, and real-life cops are right. Police are informed by what they see on the street every day. They know how important having a gun is to their own safety, and they know that private citizens can help. We've seen our good Samaritans. We've seen them go to the aid to others because they were good Americans with uh, concealed weapons permits. Many Hollywood crime show writers clearly know nothing about guns and crime. The myths they push on people are endless. What else do we know about these guns? Um, this is the machine gun that Davis was firing at us, so-called cop killer. Stop. Since 1934, there are only two known uses ever of a machine gun being used in a murder. Yet Hollywood shows criminals using machine guns to outgun cops all the time. 
Hollywood also finds endless ways to insult civilians who are using guns. No good's gonna come from you guys running around here with assault rifles. Your prisoners were on the loose. We got a right to protect our neighborhood. Yeah, that's a job for law enforcement, not a ragtag militia. Hollywood plays to bigoted stereotypes, depicting gun owners as dumb hicks. You got one! Got a few jigs. I get off you. Man, they do anything. Officers, please. Hey, let them go. That's not who we're looking for. I can't tell you, man. You sure? He looks guilty as hell to me. Let's check his papers. Let him go. In real life, citizen volunteers and neighborhood watch programs save lives. A 2008 U.S. Justice Department analysis found that crime fell 16% in areas that started a neighborhood watch program compared to those that did not. Some of Hollywood's bias is comical. In this show, a woman asks a federal agent if he's worried about not having his gun in a gun-free zone when he's facing professional killers. Bad guys won't have them either? Seriously? Has a bad guy ever seen a no guns allowed sign and turned around? In the show, the killers obey the signs and leave their guns behind. But in real life, gun-free zones only encourage criminals. They serve as a magnet for criminals. Virtually all the mass public shootings in the United States since 1950 have occurred in places where general citizens are banned from having guns. The Virginia Beach shooting this year was another example of this. A woman who worked at the municipal office building talked with her husband the night before the attack about bringing her permanent concealed handgun to work for self-defense. But she decided not to because of a city rule against carrying guns. She and 11 others were killed the next day by a disgruntled co-worker. In another recent case, a doctor carried a gun anyway, despite his hospital's no-gun policy, and he stopped a mass public shooting. As the district attorney put it, if the doctor did not have a firearm, he'd be dead today. And I believe that other people in that facility would also be dead. That real-life situation would make a gripping TV story, but don't expect to see it. Hollywood bias is everywhere, and it endangers lives by misleading people on guns. Hollywood. They sure do that a lot, don't they? Mislead people about guns? It seems like they really have an agenda, I think, Gary. They, they, you know, why reflect what's really going on when we can drive the narrative and make people, you know, disarm themselves? That's easier than taking guns. Convince people they don't want them. It's hard to believe there are that many people, that many leftists, that, uh, you know, that none of the actors stand up and say no, that all the writers are on the same page. There's a small contingent within Hollywood, um, but they tend to sort of keep to themselves and not... uh, not, wisely so. Wisely I mean, so, you know, they express their opinions because they want to work. They want to work, and they're yeah. they're they're you know they're they're trapped in this echo chamber of the left that um, that they have to survive in. So those that that are even you know very pro gun have to kind of you know keep that quiet. So you know it's unfortunate that that's the way that that industry works, but um, it it really doesn't reflect America. I don't believe. I love the the scene where they're going into this medical facility where there are no guns allowed and the guy says that's all right the bad guys won't be armed either (laughs) (laughs) what it's a comedy show that's awesome (laughs) if you're if you're a bad guy and you wanted to shoot somebody and you knew they were unarmed and in that building where nobody else was armed (laughs) that'd be like easy pickings well combined with the fact that the law enforcement official voluntarily disarms in a gun-free zone which 
gun-free zones don't apply to law enforcement. Right. The only ones that do apply is I um, years ago we had a contingent or a, a, a county that was right next to my county that I would have to appear in court periodically, and the judges in that county didn't let cops carry guns nice. in court. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> oh, no, we because they had bailiffs to handle the security, and I'm right. like, so well, I can carry a gun literally everywhere, everywhere yeah. else in this state <laughs> except for in your courtroom? Respect my authority. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's uh, it's ridiculous, and they keep pushing it. And I think they are trying to brainwash people, but they're such hypocrites because they use these guns uh, to uh, to gain listeners or viewers. It's yeah, nobody shows up to watch a riveting crime drama in which there are no cops with guns and no one is arrested <laughs> or yeah. anything else like that. Yeah, I think that's called golf. Yeah, yeah. They show uh, up and are like, "Oh, he's there's. We got our suspect. What are we gonna do? We're gonna drive over to his house and arrest him, and then just drive over there and like, hey, come on out. You're under arrest.' And they put him in the car, and then it's over. Yeah, it's a great show. <laughs> great show. Sometimes though, the police do go to get a bad guy out of a house, and it it doesn't turn out so well. Uh, I'm up against the clock here, so I got to take a quick break, and uh, perhaps I will uh, get to this point in just a few minutes. It is Gary on Guns. Welcome. Glad to have you with us. Larry Whalen is in from Modern Arms. At the Brown Station location. Good and morning, Gary. Good, and Scott Van Kirk <laughs> is with us. Uh, all wrapped up into one. And Scott Van Kirk is with us also. Uh, we were talking about uh, uh, the the way they portray law enforcement on TV. but there And we often talk about law enforcement here because we're all, I think, supporters of law enforcement, especially since Scott got out of it. Right. Uh, <laughs> so that's me, too. I'm a much bigger supporter of it now that I don't do it. <laughs> but sometimes things go terribly wrong. And I'm just curious to get your opinion on it. This is John Stossel uh, talking about what happens when the police destroy your home. What happens if police destroy your house? while trying to catch a bad guy. They told my son that they just needed to poke some holes in the house. Those so-called holes made the home uninhabitable. The house was so badly damaged, it had to be demolished. At least insurance covers this, no? The insurance company said it was an act of the government, that they would not pay for it. So will government pay? The city of McKinney refused to pay. This keeps happening. Breaking news in North Hollywood where police are dealing with a barricade situation of an armed suspect. Carlos Pena used to run this little print shop in Los Angeles. I was doing good. But that changed when... A man running from police suddenly barricaded himself inside of Pena's NoHo printing and graphics shop. I see a guy rushing at me. Pena didn't know the man who knocked him to the ground outside his shop. And then... I saw the SWAT team showing up, and that's where everything started. Pena watched as the police launched tear gas. Lots of it. 31 or 32 rounds of tear gas. And then I started thinking, I mean, what's going to happen? After a long standoff, the SWAT team broke in only to discover that the suspect had already escaped. Pena was finally allowed to return to his shop. The first thing I said, why didn't this guy just shoot me? Because wow. all the work of my life, I mean, it just got ruined. The SWAT team smashed doors, made a giant hole in the ceiling, and most damaging, shot in so much tear gas that they wrecked all his equipment. 
Of course, Penna assumed they'd reimburse him. The marshals gave you a form to fill out about the damages. I got a little happy because I thought I was going to be reimbursed. I itemized everything that was damaged. But the marshals found a reason to reject that. I didn't sum it up. I only said that it was about 62 to 63,000. Probably they didn't have a calculator at the time. So you added that? Then a couple months later, I got another letter of denial. This time the marshals said, we're not responsible. Pursue your claim with the police department. So you go to the city, the city then says, the claim is to be denied. And I said, why? And she said, because the SWAT team is immune. They can cause any damage to your property and they don't have to pay for it. I said, but this is not my fault. You're making me feel it is my freaking fault and I didn't do anything. Penna thought he'd finally get paid when someone from the mayor's office called. The new mayor of Los Angeles, her assistant called me, said, you know what? The mayor is very interested in helping you. But half a year later, the mayor still hasn't done anything. Penna tried the city council. They just gave me numbers to call. And when you call, they referred me to somebody else. It's unbearable. It is. The city destroys your business and then ignores you? We asked city officials to comment. They would not. When police destroy innocent people's property, even to get a dangerous criminal off the street, they have to pay for the damage that they did. Lawyer Jeffrey Redfern of the Institute for Justice took Penna's case for free because he thinks what happened to Penna is unconstitutional. But police sometimes do need to wreck a house to get the bad guy. Absolutely. We're not suggesting that police did anything wrong here, but this is damage that was done for a public purpose. And if the city is paying for this, then the city can decide what kind of policies it wants to adopt. Maybe they'd shoot in less tear gas. When they get to offload these costs to random unlucky individuals, they don't have to do that kind of cost-benefit analysis. You have lost in one case. There was a case where a shoplifter barricaded himself inside a home, and the police ended up destroying the house. The homeowner calls it an abomination. Somebody needs to fess up to the fact that you have destroyed somebody's lives here? The city did not compensate the owner at all. The judge says this is police power, which would give officers a right to use private property without compensation. It's absolutely crazy. What the court said was because law enforcement is doing this for the public good, um, it wouldn't be fair to force them to compensate people. But that's the entire point of the takings clause. The Constitution says government can't just take or destroy private property without just compensation. If the government takes your house to build a road or a school, you get compensation because it's not fair for you to bear that burden alone. Carlos Pena now works out of his garage and he's lost most of his business. His wife had retired, but after the rage, he went back to work cleaning houses, trying to make ends meet. It's, it sickens me that to know that this can happen to you when you're doing everything right. The Institute for Justice says it'll sue on behalf of people like Penna until police and city politicians acknowledge that they have to pay for what they break. We want to make it clear so city governments know when police destroy innocent people's property, they have to pay for the damage that they did. So my question, and it really goes to Scott, because uh, you've been in law enforcement. 
if the city has to to reimburse these people for all the property damage they've done, and then law enforcement starts doing a cost-benefit analysis, does that put law enforcement in any more danger if they think, well, maybe we shouldn't shoot any more tear gas or... Maybe we shouldn't poke any more holes in that building. There are so many things related to government that, in general, can put law enforcement in danger that it would just be one more minor one piled on. I mean, I see what you're talking about if you get the bean counters going. You know, cost-benefit analysis is we... you. You can't, you, this, if they were to establish a policy that says you can no longer use um, chemical munitions, um, and I don't know what they're talking about with tear gas because nobody shoots tear gas into houses anymore. But anyway, <laughs> they tend to yeah. shoot OC into houses because for one of the main reasons is it doesn't destroy everything. Um, tear gas is corrosive. Um, OC isn't. But the uh, if they if they came out with a, a blanket policy where they said you no longer can do this, then, yeah, then absolutely it does. But that was a story more about government than it really was law enforcement. Those were all government agencies failing to do what their responsibility was. Right. Um, but my, my point was that if, uh, if the Institute for Justice prevails, and I, and I really do hope that they do, and I, this is not a slight on law enforcement. They have to do what they have to do to get the bad guy. I'm just curious uh, if you think that, you know, I mean, any cost benefit analysis. I mean, will, anything's possible. I mean, you have in the state of Missouri, you have a system that's been established by which your department is graded and and um, evaluated on the racial makeup of the traffic stops you make. So, I mean, anything is possible at the highest reaches of government that is going to affect how law enforcement does its job. Now, sometimes that can be a positive. Most of the time, it's generally not. Most of the time, it's uh, a bunch of people like, well, you shouldn't do that. You know, um, another example, Minnesota's having a big controversy with school resource officers because they passed a state yeah. law that basically says if you're a school resource <clears throat> officer, unless it's a threat of death or great bodily harm, you can't touch a student. You can't restrain somebody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you had a bunch of agencies say, yeah, we're not going to put our cops in your schools because you're setting them up for failure. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. Well, just a quick yes or no. Do you think then that, that uh, the municipality uh, should be paying these people back, should be reimbursing them for the damage? Oh, absolutely. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's the taking too. clause. It's, yeah. yeah, it's taking a property. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And again, this is, there this needs to be compensation. Not, yeah. And again, this is not a, sl a slight against law enforcement. They have to do what they have to do. Well, no, law uh, enforcement's not the one that decides whether they get paid or not. Right. That's city uh, government. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't want anybody to think that, that that's what we're suggesting, that all oh, law enforcement shouldn't be doing that. We've got, we've got uh, a lot of uh, ground to cover. We, we're going to uh, chat with the uh, Second Amendment Foundation. But there is a, uh, and, and I know you guys are both familiar with retention shooting. Is it a good idea? I don't think so, but maybe. We'll kick it around next on Gary on Guns. Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us on Gary on Guns. Uh, let's see. Second Amendment Foundation, they're coming up. We've got uh, the shooting from retention, something that I've never even wanted to try. Uh, we'll talk about that. Uh, also, uh, we've got this uh, conflict that's going on in the Middle East, and and I think it's going to uh, it's going to have an effect here. In fact, it already is, as I understand, with regard to uh, the availability of some ammunition. 
Uh, joining us is Larry Whalen from Modern Arms, where we will also at the Brown have Station location. Show, show, What's that? Show, we'll have show, show and, Brown, yeah, show, Brown Station show, show and tell coming up from the Brown Station yeah. location. It's a real mess here, isn't it? It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh. Scott Van Kirk. Uh, who uh, is a friend of ours and a firearms trainer and uh, all kind By the way, you know, uh, it, it used to be um, pretty easy for me to find somebody to shoot with and uh, in, in, in get uh, training. And, and fortunately, because uh, Scott's been very generous with his time, I've gone out shooting with him. But do you guys have anybody you recommend for training? I don't currently, to be honest with you. There's a couple of people I've been meaning to check out. Um, to see if I could, you know, do an unofficial endorsement of them. Not a, not a, obviously a monetary relationship or anything like that. Just to see um, what they've got going on. And when people ask me, because I get people who ask me all the time, "Hey, what are you doing on the training side?" And I'll be like, "Not really anything." Um, and, and so they're like, "Well, who, anybody you can recommend?" Um, I do like um, Armed Missouri Incorporated down south of Jeff City, Chris Softner's organization. If you um, Google them. Chris does a great job. I've trained with him on a number of occasions. Um, they do a great, uh, they got a great local show, as you like to put it, where they do a number of things. I did, I think, home defense shotgun with them maybe a couple years back. But then they also bring in probably three or four national level guys um, a year. John Murphy was down there. Um, Spencer from Spencer's Keepers was down there. Um, I took Craig Douglas's ECQC with them a number of years ago, three, four, five, six years ago, something like that. They're a really good organization, but it's going to be a little bit of a drive for you because they're down south of uh, Jeff. Great, great facility, uh, great classroom, air conditioned, which is important in the summertime in Missouri. Yeah, yeah, and um, and stuff like that. So, though, currently those are the only that's the only organization. Yeah. Uh, that I also, can... here in Columbia, uh, LETI has done some civilian classes. The, yeah, they're um, trying to, and and that's that sounds sounds like something they're continuing to grow. Um, now they, I can I can recommend be them because Pete Jones is not only a friend of mine but also um, worked with me at Learn to Carry for years. So I can unequivocally tell you that Pete's top notch instructor. Yeah. So if you see anything that Pete's attached to, definitely. Definitely yeah. go with that. You know, I I I think um, we should tell Tim Oliver to quit you know this retirement thing because <laughs> uh, he was just great um, at doing this, but he's uh, he's retiring. So frustrating. Uh, but anyway, uh, those are some recommendations, and uh, you might uh, you might want to look into it. Shooting from retention. When you were in law enforcement, Scott, did you did they train you to do that at all? If you, you mean position two from the so holster you, retention. You, you barely pull the firearm out yeah. of the holster and yeah. start shooting. Position two retention shooting, arm's length shooting. Yeah. That's still a, as far as I know, I don't do a lot of law enforcement stuff anymore, but as far as I know, that's still an established law enforcement technique. Although I'll be honest with you, um, I like to see more of the pectoral retention um uh, shooting techniques. I don't know if that last course that you went to, you guys did any pectoral. Um, yeah, index. we did, did did high 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 yeah, high, high, high ready, yeah. um, and uh, you know firing from that two hand high ready position, mm-hmm. uh, not firing from the uh, traditional retention position. Right. That's something that I've I've done in classes. Um, right. I think it's a valuable skill. I think that you need to be with a high quality instructor. Oh yeah. Um, to learn that skill, mm-hmm. it's not one you want to YouTube and try yourself. And, pe- and um, pectoral <clears throat> index will take you one step further. Now that you're you're actually going to be in a lockup, and are actually indexing the gun so you can engage. But you're 
actually physically grappled with the individual. Yeah. As opposed to that high ready, th- you're shooting a high ready condensed three, yeah. compressed three. Yeah, yeah. compressed three. Which... This is when you're up close, you're backed into a corner. Uh, that, In physical that... contact with a threat. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a and, number, and, there's and you know you're, you're not able to shoot at arm's length like you are on the range. You know, right. with your legs squared away, facing the target. You know, a timer goes off and you draw right. and fire at a cardboard target. This is combat fighting. This is this right. is a, a training skill fighting for with a handgun in your yeah. hand. Yeah, and you know it's and it's not the civilian model modeling for that. The self defense or personal protection modeling for that doesn't look anything like the open carry law enforcement strong side. Yeah. Um, shooting from retention look that um, is often referred to. They're two completely separate things. Again, it, it's it's a it's a fight uh, with a gun in your hand. Yeah, it, <laughs> it is a it is a great skill, but learn it from a a very competent instructor. Um, and it is it is one of those things you go really slow with. You learn each move, mm-hmm. and then you add the gun, and then you learn each move, and then you add the ammunition, right. and you re- refine each move. Right. You know, and it's, it's gonna, and it's going to be um, instructor intensive, meaning yes. um, a lot of the stuff that I've done with it, it's going to be I've got two individuals, I've already cleared firearms and everything else like that, and I am right there on both of them to ensure that no one gets hurt. There's no safety violations. Yeah. Same with the live fire when you go to a, a target and everything else like that because it's it's dangerous work. Fighting with a gun in your hand is dangerous work. Yeah. I've seen some videos that I thought were kind of misleading uh, where it appears that they're shooting you know, 10, 15 yards uh, when they're shooting from retention. And I don't think very many people can accomplish that accurately. That's Bob Munden-style point shooting at speed, which yeah. I think we lost Bob a number of years ago, didn't we? Unfortunately, yeah, yes. That's, that's, that's trick shooting. Yeah, it's, yeah it is. Um, if, if you've got that kind of time distance... Mm-hmm. Index the gun on the target, bring, yeah. it up your, bring it up your line yeah. of sight, use the sights. You know, it, yeah. Even if you don't b- fully use the sights, index the gun all the way up to your sight plane. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, you, you can get amazingly effective fire right. very quickly you know, with that draw and, and extend. You know, huh. The end of your arms is always at the same place. If, it's it's if, pretty easy. If you're able to, and I recommend the listeners check it out, go to um, Immediate Action Combatives, which is Cecil Birch's organization based out of Arizona. He does both a close contact handgun course, which I have been to. Excellent, excellent course. And then he also does an entangled gunfight course, which is the... So close contact is is one inch to infinity, meaning mm-hmm. that you're not actually entang- you're not in the entangled gunfight yet. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, the entangled gunfight, the, the term explains itself. You're actually entangled. You're fighting with a gun. Um, your hand, one hand is occupied with a firearm, and the other one is what you're trying to do to in- up to and including not shoot yourself yeah. and potentially shoot <laughs> the bad guy. <laughs> Yeah, very important not to shoot yourself. But, but that's um that's I I think it's IAC.com, but it's if you Google immediate um action combatives, Cecil Birch, look for his uh um close contact pistol or hand close contact handgun and look for entangled gunfighting. I don't think the average person does a lot of training on this. I don't think the average person does a lot of training on anything, but um, they don't generally do this type of stuff at all because you have got to find someone. You can't get it from a YouTube video. You have got to find someone who's got a background in it. 
um, a lot of the entangled stuff. You are dealing with guys who have got. You got to find firearms instructors who have legitimate grappling backgrounds. Yeah, jujitsu or or Rob McCall, you yeah. know, and adding the firearm to that Correct. grappling discipline. Correct. Or you have to find grapplers with a legitimate firearms background. Yeah. Well, there's not as much crossover as you think. Um, so there's only. I mean, there's only a couple of guys that I recommend for that kind of stuff, and one of them is Cecil. Cecil yeah, I did a, the sheepdog response this this summer, and they, they do that. You know, mm-hmm. we our, our grappling was blue guns, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, that was that was some stuff I had not been to right. class for before, even, and even it, was, in, it was very, very yeah. enlightening. And if even in a training environment with blue guns, you haven't fought until you fought over a gun. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can imagine there's there's no relenting there, is there? Everybody's pretty motivated. Yeah, yeah. Nobody gets to say, oh, hey, I give up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, Bearing Arms has got a, 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 a an article that says six reasons why the AR-15 is actually ideal for self-defense. Now, the progressives on the left don't believe this. Uh, in fact, uh, the lead progressive on the left right now thinks you should take your shotgun outside and fire a couple of rounds in the air and then <laughs> Get your house shotgun. will be safe. Get a shotgun. Get a shotgun. Buy a shotgun. Yeah. Uh, they say it's lightweight, it's compact, uh, that it's versatile, uh, that it's accurate, uh, that, that this makes it the, the, you know, essentially the perfect self-defense weapon. It, it's why it's the most widely owned weapon in North America. I mean, it, it is, the AR-15 is a great tool. It is very versatile. It's it's very lightweight, low recoil, extremely accurate, and it is very effective. It is a great defensive tool. I oh, I would, I, yeah, every, every time. If I can, I, I do carry a handgun right. because I don't always carry a long gun. <laughs> right. You know, but I would, I, would, I, would, I would rather have a long gun in any type of, of armed confrontation as opposed to a handgun. Right. And, and it's I will, the old saying, you use the handgun to get to the long gun? To get to your long gun. Yeah. Now, and I will say objectively as you view it completely as a tool, Yes. And I think Larry and I are both pretty safe. We're county residents, not city residents, things like that. But never forget the Rittenhouse trial where the district attorney is holding up the evil AR-15 that media and everything else has used to influence the jury of not your peers who are judging you in a conflict because they're not gun people. All the gun people will be eliminated from the jury pool and they're holding up that evil black rifle. My lever action uh, 357 looks pretty nice. Yeah, I'd rather they held up one of my two lever actions. My grandpa had one of them. Oh yeah, John Wayne had one of those. Even the most strident anti-gunner has seen (laughs) a movie that includes a lever action in it. But you know, if you get an AR-15 with a 16-inch barrel you got the collapsible stock. Uh, if you're in your house and going around corners and things like that, it's a lot safer, I think, than having uh, that long lever-action rifle yeah, uh, and, uh, that and announces your presence before you get there. And, and you describe something there that, that I would never do, yeah. um, is, is going around a corner. Man, oh, man, if I get to defend my castle and my bride's in the room with me and my dogs are out barking at, at somebody that's down the hall, Man, I am barricaded in, and I know exactly which hole that bad guy's coming through, and uh, I am not clearing my house. I'm not clearing corners. We pay wonderful law enforcement to come do that. Right. They'll be here in 30, 45 minutes, right. whatever. The sheriff's department will show up, but, and they uh, will do the job. Yeah, go ahead. Take my VCR. <laughs> I don't care, man. <laughs> now, now if Waiting I, at the fatal funnel. Yeah, now if I had to get to 
a, a room where my my children were or uh-huh. something like that. Yeah, we're we're gonna go. We're gonna we're gonna barricade up all together. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm not clearing my house. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not gonna do it. Been to classes. Nope, right. not gonna not and gonna it, go do it. Yeah. <laughs> and, right. from, and from a portability uh, building clearing, as a guy who's got a lot of experience with it, I'm as good with a lever action, my 16 and a half inch carbine, <laughs> as I am with an AR. Yeah. yeah. All right. Coming up, we'll have the uh, Second Amendment Foundation. We'll have show and tell. And a carjacker, well, it was uh, kind of a happy ending fairy tale. Coming up on Gary on Guns. Welcome. Scott Van Kirk with us, as is Larry Whalen from Modern Arms. At the Brown Station location. And oh, the stupidity of some criminals. This didn't happen in the United States, but it's surprising it happened in Great Britain because <laughs> you know how gun control works over there. They don't there. have guns over there. How no. big does it well, happen in Great Britain? How big a knife was it? Yeah. <laughs> well, how big a butter knife was yeah. it? <laughs> you, you, you know, you're you're kidding on the level because they do want to regulate sh- uh, sharp knives in Great yeah. Britain. You yeah. see it every, you'll see postings every once in a while on some of the gun sites, probably some of the more, I'm going to call it slightly more intense Facebook pages that are on the guns community <laughs> where they've got where they've pulled up some Facebook page for a British P- Bobby police department or con- constabulary or whatever the heck they call them over there where they've shown some cop who's like just took all these weapons off the street and it's like three butter knives and a steak knife or something and you're like what <laughs> and a plastic sword yeah <laughs> Well, a carjacker decided that uh, he had to bust the window to get the car, and he was using the butt end of his shotgun. That's unsafe. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows that. Larry, you know that, right? That's yeah. unsafe. Yeah, that's unsafe. That, that's unsafe. <laughs> well, where were you before he did this? If you had only said something, he might not have done it. Uh, but he did use the butt end of the shotgun, and it discharged into his chest. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> and he's now taking a dirt nap. Uh, it, it was it was fatal. Uh, uh, opening yeah. the inquest, the court uh, con- uh, confirmed the police investigation uh, that uh, there was nobody else involved. This guy <laughs> yeah. did a dead, dead man by the broken window. No, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> what do you call that? I don't know. No third party does involvement. That, how does that affect your car insurance? <laughs> <laughs> and how stupid do you have to get the, to even be in front of the barrel? Well, this, is, this is banging an, it against the car window. You know, as a serious aside, this is an important reminder to all of our listeners. Remember, uh, generally, shotgun safeties only stop the trigger from being pulled. <laughs> they do not stop the stop the the weapon from actually doesn't interrupt the hammer yeah. or the firing process in any way, shape, or form. So, a good stout striking of the of the weapon in a number of different places can cause it to go off. <laughs> to include apparently trying to break through a, a car window with it. So, jeez. Some mother's kids. I, you, have have you. Coverage? you have to have full coverage for something like that. I, I don't think that. Yeah, yeah there's, that's, that's going to. There's, there's going to be a report or there's something. There's going to be something. Yeah, that's going to be. Jake from State Farm, call us and let us know how that, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How that works out. <laughs> uh, Mike says, uh, he sent me a message. By the way, if you're listening to the program, you can send me a message. And even if we don't get to it until next week, we'll we'll get to it. Uh, go to GaryNolan.com. You can send a message. It'll pop up here in studio. You can call us toll-free, 800-529-5572. Michael sent me a message. He said, I heard an ammo manufacturer here in Missouri. Their name escapes me, he writes. Something Islands 
is discontinuing commercial ammo sales. Are you guys seeing a problem in ammo availability? Thanks. I am not. I have not heard of this story. I don't know the the company he's speaking of. I'm sorry, but um, no, our our distribution chain for ammo is yeah. is is it's a, it's a pretty robust pipeline right yeah. now. Uh, certainly, we've seen times when that ebbs yeah. and flows. I mean, um, I, I yeah. mean, there's always a possibility that we might see a reduction in five five six coming out of Lake City. That could be as the Middle East fires up because we'll be sending them. Con- Con, you know, ship containers full of five, five, six, which is predominantly the yeah. the same round that the Israelis use as we do. So you might see some might see some production diverted over yeah, to replacing that. Pretty good stockpiles, but so, I mean, there's yeah. pretty good stockpiles that way. But the commercial ammo is is flowing naturally right now. Um, you know, my crystal ball's broken. Yeah, will we see a, another uh, shortage? I, I don't and if, know. And if we do, will it be purely? Panic buying, yeah, customer driven panic yeah. buying. Well, that's oh yeah, you use customer driven, and I use panic buying. Well, I mean, <laughs> customer driven. <laughs> I, I hate to under, I hate to undercut Larry, but that's what they're calling it, panic buying. Yeah. No, custom, uh, customer driven. Customer no, no, driven. we use the term customer Cust- driven customer here. Driven. Yeah. Bearing arms has a piece. They said ammunition shortages sparked by Hamas terrorism in Israel's a day of rage threat. Here we go again. They said it appears we're headed for panic buying amidst the customer uh, driven. What seemed to be normalizing <laughs> ammunition supplies after the COVID nineteen summer of love shortages in twenty twenty, um, and they say we've entered yet another period of uncertainty brought on by the depraved terrorist attacks, and that people are going out uh, perhaps in um, customer driven. Well, yeah. <laughs> if, if you if if you're in a spot where you haven't yet bought a tool to defend your your house. I, yeah, I, I'm going to go get a tool. Uh, that makes uh, sense. Sure. But it, it seems as though we, we could have hit a, a a point where most of the people that really want a gun already have a few. Um, Couple. And, and, you know. <clears throat> I'm up to three now. You got three now? Oh, yeah. Wow. yeah. <laughs> and, and probably you have got more well, than a box of ammo isn't for each do you a lot of good. Well, but, okay. but, yeah. but, you know, buying buying ammo as a, as a matter of just um, habit um, you know, is, is a, is a, a habit I formed decades ago and, and, you know, the thought of, of not being able to buy more ammo. Well, okay. So I, I got plenty of ammo. So yeah. I, I assume there's a few people like that in the world, but, uh, I could be the only squirrel that, that's, uh, no, been, been no, buying ammo no, for you may be, you may be the nut they're looking for, but no, you're not <laughs> the only squirrel. All right. Uh, buy your ammo and store it up. So the shortages don't bother you. Yeah. All right. We got to take a quick break. It's Gary on guns.